Welcome to Smashing Through Walls with Carla McGee. Whether you were just pulling up a seat to the table, breaking a glass ceiling, or smashing through walls, grab your favorite mug and join us on the first and third Friday at 11 o'clock for candid conversations with industry experts and decision makers as we navigate and explore all the things related to real estate and community. Hi, this is Smashing Through Walls with Carla McGee, where we don't want to just break the ceiling, we want to smash through the walls. Today, I am super excited to have the first episode of my very first podcast we are launching today. This is not an April Fool's joke. And I am having Aaron Dutcher and Audra Travis with the MHG commercial team. And we are super excited to tell you about all the things commercial real estate and just have a really good time. So welcome, guys. Thank you. Thank you so much for your support and for coming. You guys have no idea what this means to me. Well, I had no choice in the matter because <laughs> you're very commanding. I am. And said that I had to be here or bad things were going to happen to me. By 9 o'clock. And so, right. which you know is hard for me at 9 o'clock. I'm, gl- I'm glad to see you up and dressed. <laughs> I'm impressed with both. Um, I prefer the word bossy over demanding. That is perfect for you. <laughs> Actually, that's like my theme song. They wouldn't let me pick it because it has swear words in it. But, you know, it's fine. She's bossy. That's bossy. <laughs> See, I can't even say it right. I'm way too cowboy for that. <laughs> so, good morning. I'm, I'm so good happy morning. to have you here. And I'm so excited to talk about, like, a variety of things. And so, I want to kind of launch with what what MHG commercial is, right? Because I feel like I know what it is. And I want to tell our audience and, and I'll kind of go over briefly what I think it is and then We'll let Aaron kind of explain his vision of it, too. Perfect. Um, since it's his team and not mine. I'm just a low, lowly little piece of it. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. I'm just We're all just little, a little piece of it. Just a little piece it makes of the whole. That's right. So we, I feel like we specialize in kind of what I call like the little guy, right? They're like the smaller businesses, smaller investors, maybe newer. They don't necessarily understand how commercial investing works all the time and can be put off or intimidated perhaps by some of your big, huge conglomerate commercial brokers, and they don't know who to call. So that's why we have the setup of meeting with residential agents and kind of taking it over from there. I'd say that's just about perfect. I think that when that came to fruition for me, it was, oh, seven years ago, eight years ago, because I've been in commercial real estate for over 20 years. Older and than me. I know. <laughs> Thanks for pointing it out. I appreciate <laughs> it, Carla. You're so sweet. It's just so good. But because commercial and residential always had like a divide, right? Mm-hmm. And investors, and I like to call them my boutique investors, right? Yeah. Like I was always at boutique brokerages or at my own place. I really didn't fit in at the CBREs and the Cushman Wakefields of the world. Right. It just wasn't my thing. A, I'm a little greedy. I didn't really like the splits. B, I'm just not a very big, huge corporate structure guy. Right. I mean, you guys have seen the team. We're not very structured. <laughs> we're, uh, we're pretty casual. <laughs> pretty casual. Let's <laughs> call it casual. Casual. Right. But it's fun. Yeah. And I enjoy it. And there's no one, you know, hey, Carla, it's nine o'clock. Where are you? Why haven't you made your phone calls? Yeah. This hey, morning? I see I've been tracking your phone calls and you haven't got on the phone at all. Could you? And if you don't start getting on the phone, I'm going to have to get rid of you. Like, no. Like the words I would have might be colorful. That's, be, that'll lead us into rainbows and unicorns later. Rainbows yes. and unicorns. It's coming. Yeah. And I think that for the investors that 
call the CBRE and they're like, hey, I have $2 million and I want to buy something. That doesn't even, that's not a blip on their radar. Right. They, they, they don't want to spend the time to train that new client on what the market is, right. what, how it's going to work, what they're going to do. And so these guys are lost and they don't know how to approach it. So then they go back to their residential agent who just bought them a house or, mm-hmm. I mean, let's be honest, there's a million of them out there. Everyone knows a residential agent. If you 91,000. Yeah. So you, you probably know like Arizona. 10 wow. in your initial yeah. social circle of friends. Probably. <laughs> probably. So the they go least. to them and they're like, hey, I need to buy a commercial building. I've been calling all these brokers and no one will get back to me. What do I do? And then the residential agent does one of two things. They either A, try and figure it out, Yikes. which is scary. Dangerous. For a lot of reasons. Or B, they go, they're smart enough to go, this isn't my area of expertise. Let me find someone. Let me find yeah. someone to give it to. And 10 years ago, I wouldn't even pick up their calls, right? right. It was like, oh my gosh, this residential agent's calling me. They're going to want to like ask me questions. Maybe they got something. Like, I don't want to train them. Right. But the market started shifting, technology started catching up, and my business model changed. And all of a sudden, I went, you know what? There's a disconnect here. I bet if I worked with those guys, there's some money on the table to be had. Right, like partner up instead of being instead of, adversary. Exactly. Instead right. of going, I'm not going to pick, like, I don't want to deal with it, or I don't want to train it, or, or you know, the, the big thing in the commercial world at that time was like, well, why don't you just give me the lead and I'll just take care of it? Because, you know, you don't know how to take care of it anyway. And right. you can't find patronizing. The, yeah, you can't yeah. find the deal. So just let me it's the best fiduciary for your clients. You just give them to me. Right. And then I'll go get the deal done. Right. But I shifted that and went, OK, there's a different way to do this and started working with those agents. And it took a little while. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh, this is working. Mm-hmm. And then they got a referral fee mm-hmm. and they were happy because that wasn't happening for their clients happy. And they still get to keep them for all the residential stuff. We take care of them for all the commercial stuff. And it started to take off. And then, weird enough, <laughs> now the other bigger guys in the Valley started taking the residential referrals, which was hilarious to me. I mean, that started coming in pretty strong like three years ago. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we've been doing it for a solid, you know, six, seven years now. And it's been a great model. Well, and the way you and I met was we were at a class coincidentally together. And I was at a different brokerage, another commercial brokerage. And I was doing that. But my broker told me that that was a bad idea. That was stupid. That's never going to make you any money. And I was like, well, I mean, I just want to help people. Regardless of if I'm, you know, making any money off of this or not, I just want to help people. And, and there's people that need help and there's agents that need help and and they need our expertise. And you're telling me that I that's a bad idea. I just feel like it's not. And then Aaron and I met and that was his model. And I was like, how's it going, cowboy? <laughs> like, hey, we got some stuff to talk about. Uh, you do it. <laughs> I think we are on the same page here. Right. I feel like this is a good match. And then I came to my first meeting and I met Audra. And Audra, I instantly connected with. She's super smart and she has such an interesting and extensive background and almost, I would say, coined the phrase resumercial. And what does that mean, Audra? Well, for years and years and years, I did both commercial and residential. I had a client that I approached and I wanted to have him buy some multifamily to invest in here in Arizona. Excuse me. And he didn't have any interest in doing that at all. His whole focus was larger 
office buildings that he had four or five of back in Wisconsin. So when I asked him to do that here, he had no interest in wanting to do that at all. He said, I want to buy bigger buildings. So I thought, okay. So ironically, my hours for continuing education were up. So I thought, oh, I'll go and do commercial classes. Oh, those classes were so great, weren't they? <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> so I sat there through this whole thing. Three hours at a time. <clears throat> yes. And all they did was bash residential agents. I mean, they kept saying how stupid we were, how we were just order takers, that we just fill out forms, all the things, right? And then at the end, everybody was approaching me trying to recruit me. And I was like, you guys, what the heck? You just called me stupid. You just beat me with a baseball bat. And now you want me to come play with you? I'm thinking yeah. no. <laughs> so I went off on my own and I figured it out. I made it work. I found a building for him. It was across from Los Sundas, bank owned, and I found it on the MLS, right? Because I didn't have the tools that we have now. Mm -hmm. And I approached the other agent and I literally used the commercial forms that are on mm -hmm. <laughs> for, for use. Right. And I told the gentleman, I said, this is my first go. So if I do stupid things, it's not because I'm trying to be obtuse. It's just because I don't know any better. And he was very kind. And he was, he said, okay, fine. And actually, I still work with this person quite a bit. So thank you very much to the Milne brothers. You guys are <laughs> awesome. And that deal almost fell apart. I mean, I had to hold it together with glue and duct tape and spit and all the things. And my client was on a cruise, of course, out of the country. And I was just freaking out. Like, I don't even remember exactly what was falling apart, but it just, I mean, it was so many years ago. But so I did several deals with that gentleman. And then I joined another team here at MHG. Like I said, I was doing commercial and residential this whole time. So that hence residential. Mm -hmm. And then um, that team was leaving my home group. So I had spoken to Aaron a couple of times on the phone and he was very helpful and very genuine and very, I just thought, this guy's cool. And so I approached him and I said, would you be my mentor? And he said, no. <laughs> he kind of sucks at that part. <laughs> exactly. It wasn't I didn't like Audra. I know where my strong suits are. Like I said, not corporate America. I was like, yeah, I suck at that. That's not going to work. So my little heart sank and broke. And I was just, I was just crestfallen. And I, he said, but if you want to come down to the office and hang out and ask questions and learn and do, and I'll throw you some people to work with, then we can do that. And I was like, okay, let's Which do that. kind of might be mentoring, I guess. <laughs> it's just not structured. Like, don't, not, let's not label it. Okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's trial by fire. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. When they people want to go say, like, hey, can we go say, like, let's just not put names on. Right? Like, yeah. That's not a, a good commitment. Thing. Let's right. not just label we're, it. We're let's not label we're it. We're having fun. <laughs> don't label let's it. Let's not label this thing. <laughs> no, Aaron's definitely better at, hey, I have a lead for this, or I have a client looking for an office building and he's like oh well let's show him this one and then let's walk through the process together which probably is technically mentoring but we can't label it yeah don't right through it trial by fire i'll answer yeah. your stupid questions yeah, and answer all your questions we'll have those annoying phone calls just don't put a name on it. so um that's exactly what i did i came down to the office and i i had a couple deals that were going at the time that I brought to the table. It was just like, okay, how are we going to make this happen? How are we going to make it work? And it was fantastic. And I love what I do. And um, I was the second lady on the team. Um, and there was only five of us at the time. And it was great. I'd go home and I was just thrilled with what I was doing. I just, I felt like I was making a difference. I felt like I was helping people. And 
it changed everything. It was great. And I think it, I'm coming back full circle to your, you know, smashing down walls. Yeah. Like the thing I love about Audra is she's not afraid to just go and do it. Like she yeah. said, it was her first deal and she had a client. She didn't know what to do. And she was like, well, I'm here and right? I'm going to do the deal. Figure and you guys out. are going to have to figure it out with me one way or another. <laughs> and, you know, hats off to the broker on the other side of the table for, for working with her and right. being patient. But, you know, major kudos to Audra because she was like, I don't care if you guys aren't going to let me play in this sandbox or not. Right. I'm going to play in it. Also, speaking of smashing through walls, I think you bring up a good point when you say I was only the second woman on the team. I was only the third. Yes. So I know. And now I think you guys outnumber <laughs> us. I was we counting that the other day. It's almost like representation how? matters. I'm just saying. Like, Literally, when we did pictures the other day, I was like. When did this dynamic shift? Maybe I should have been in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Let's put uh, Carla in there. Right. Just, just throw her around. It is definitely commercial real estate in general. I think a lot of people, when they think of real estate, you know, they picture your traditional Century 21 headshot with it's like 20 years too old and it's always a woman in it. But when it comes to commercial real estate, it is very male dominated. Oh, and, yeah. Oh, yeah. Says the guy. Uh, <laughs> That's right, ladies. You remember that. Let's talk about mansplaining for a Let's just talk about mansplaining. Mansplaining. That was one of the reasons why I wanted to have both people on because Aaron, Aaron is a fan, I'd say, of of women without trying to sound out like how else do I say that? He's very supportive of He's a fan of women. Wow. Um I could go I'm a not few ways. Tell his wife. <laughs> sorry, um, Randa. So that's sorry. either a Hugh Hefner or a sex trader. I don't oh know. Oh my that's, god, that's okay, it's going in the wrong direction. Okay, that's right over the Whoa. inappropriate and they're just this going is off. This the first episode. I have to let everybody know what this is gonna be like for the rest of all of the episodes, all of the oh time. Oh my goodness. Okay. I We'll call Aaron supportive. Supportive. Very supportive. <laughs> He's supportive of his female counterparts in the industry. And that's not always the case. Correct. Like, I would I would say that Audra and I probably still get met by, you know, walls and, and ceilings, so to speak. Huge barriers. Yep. And, um, you know, he's definitely there to always have our back and to make sure that we are being listened to because he respects us in our field. So one of the reasons why I started this is I wanted to give, I'd say, predominantly women a place in our industry to pull up a chair and discuss, like, why we do need a seat at the table and why we are just just as good as our equal male counterparts in commercial real estate, even though we are not always equally represented. Yeah, and I don't, I think the equal representation is a big thing. And I think that it's just, it's old norms, right? And right. and I I play into the stereotype where you, if you ask me, you know, go into a room and pick out the commercial brokers, I'm going to pick pretty much all the guys. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say that's one, that one looks like one, that one looks like one. It's just there hasn't been a big female part in that play, which, hey, if I judge it on the merits, mm -hmm. do you know what you're doing and can you get a deal? Well, done? shit, I'm screwed. <laughs> Carla's out. But yeah, I mean, and I say it all the time. I've met guys in the field in, in our industry that are fantastic. They're great to work with. And you're like, man, I can get a deal done. I'm happy to sit mm -hmm. across the table from you anytime and we're gonna work it out. And you meet guys that are assholes. And I'm like, yeah. I do not want to work with that guy ever, ever again. 
and I'll judge the same on the female part. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a few females where their names come up and I'm like, oh my gosh. I think I know I, them. You know two of them for sure. <laughs> and I'm just like, I do, I, I won't even touch the deal. Yeah. Just because I know it's going to be a nightmare. And so I don't, it's, it's, we live in a weird, weird world, I feel like, right? Like, mm -hmm. I feel like, like gender and race are 10 times bigger than they were when I was a kid. Right. And maybe I was just naive and I didn't understand maybe. it. But now it's like I was never taught that. I was was always taught if someone is a good person and they work hard, okay, that's in the how I'm going to judge them. If someone's an asshole and lazy, that's how I'm going to judge right. them. It doesn't matter race, color, gender, creed, whatever. We're just whatever. asking for the opportunity to show you that we're a lazy asshole. That's all. That's all. <laughs> Well, but it's sad, though, because we still have conversations right. even in our meetings where it's like, right. hey, uh, like where you, you or Audra or Jen or, or Aaron will come answer, to us, yeah. you're not getting an answer. And I'm like, we start looking through and I'm like, OK, this guy's misogynistic. I'm going to have to call him and then I'm going to start the conversation. Put kind of a male voice on it. We put the male context to it. And then all of a sudden we get traction. Yep. And then we pull it back in. And, and, and sometimes we're able to switch it back. Right. I think Michael was Michael a, was one was yep. a good example of that. Yep. Like. You could not get anywhere. No. And then all of a sudden it's like, hey, Michael, da 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 da. Yeah. And Carla's really good and she's on my team and so on right. and so forth. And then he's like, oh, yeah. Okay. Now I'm his favorite person. <laughs> and now you're his Just favorite person. Saying. Yeah. But we had to break through that. Yeah, right. Because at first he's like, nothing. Right. It was silence. Well, I feel like there's a type for that too, right? He, it's pretty stereotypical. In particular, this person is a much older guy and he's just I just feel like he's probably just not used to dealing with women and in his head he probably thinks he has nothing against them right it's just yeah. not it's not his typical norm and the broker he's dealing with in California is a guy and the broker he's dealing with in Colorado is a guy but his one in Arizona isn't <laughs> <laughs> look out <laughs> look out so it's definitely been an interesting dynamic and I do feel the shift happening I'm excited to be part of it. I feel like, you know, almost like helping pioneer it and, you know, that I have awesome counterparts on my team that are also doing that and that, yeah, we have a lot of female representation on our team. Yeah. We do now. That's for sure. I don't know. It's like, I think there's eight. Yeah. I mean, I'd have to count. Like 14. So Just you guys saying. have the, the upper hand now. Right. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, you better, just, you better behave yourself. <laughs> <laughs> well, but it's like you said, I like I. We have great talented people. Yep. Right. So we're going to judge them on who they are and also how they fit in the team. Right. Like we I, are a unique. Group. We are a unique group of people. And that's why I always bring people in on meetings and say, OK, come to a meeting and see Get how you feel. Carla. And, <laughs> and some of them we never see again. That's true. Right. And I, and I have no problem. It's with not that. just my fault, though. I'm just going to throw that <laughs> out. You know, it's not it's not for everybody. And, and right. That's OK. You know, we are a different, distinct group. I like to call us a group of misfit toys yes <laughs> and we all have very strong personalities mm -hmm. I would say but we all fit together and I really love our team because we count on each other mm -hmm. which I also think is unusual in residential they teach you to be a maverick they teach yeah. you to be you know don't don't trust anybody else don't do anything with anybody else and so when we have resident agents come in that are primarily residential they kind of don't know what to do with that they're very like wait, you're going to help me write this LOI. You're going to show right. property for me. You're going to. Yeah, they're very skeptical. Yeah. And like, uh, like, don't, like, I don't want to show you what I'm working with over here. I'm going yeah, to keep I'll, it close to my heart. I'll tell you that the brokerage I came from, although a, a commercial brokerage was boutique and it, that's how I was raised. Right. 
was the same way. And so when I came over, I did struggle with that initially. And I'm just kind of competitive and stuff already. So. Really? <laughs> no. So really? Wow, I have it's no almost idea. like you guys know me. That's so <laughs> strange. But yes, yes, big surprise. So it has taken me some time to adjust to like sharing my I've, toys with everybody. I've noticed that. Yes. It took you a while to open up. It did. And and I think part of that, like you said, was from where you came. Right. But, um, you know, I think that that's one of my favorite things about our team, really, is that it is a big collaborative and we're all striving for the same thing right. and everything is out in the open. I mean, so much as Dutch has a deal tracker, right? Yes. And it shows everybody's name. It shows what the deal is. It shows what the splits are. It shows what the, the commission was that's going to everybody. It even it shows the referral. It shows everything. And one of the things I really love about Dutch is that money can be such a weird topic, mm-hmm. right? But when I bring a deal to the table and we'll sit down and he'll put it on the deal tracker and then he'll split up the funds. And then, you know, I've even gone to the point where I'm like, Dutch, I didn't really do that much on this deal. I, I remember one specifically where I was just like, I think you gave me 15% of the deal, whatever it was. And I was just like, you know, I didn't do that much. Give my, I, I'll take 10 because I feel like that's right. fair. And then give my other five to Justin because he really worked a lot harder on this than I did. And it's amazing that it's as open and as frank and as honest a conversation because I think everywhere you go, once again, you keep your cards close to your vest. You mm-hmm. don't show anybody anything. But I know exactly what Dutch made last year. He right. knows what I made. I mean, everybody knows, right? Everybody knows. Well, <laughs> I think that that's part of our appeal to the residential Dynamic. agents as well as we partner with them to take care of their commercial clients is they feel that openness. And so they know, like, we're not trying to we're not trying to steal your client. We're not trying to, like, we just want to help extend the same great service that you've given your client. And I think that that, like, exudes from us because we're all open with each other. Absolutely. Dutch, what did we pay out last year in, in referral fees? Almost $300,000? Yeah, it was yeah, 290 two, I think. 290 and some change. Yeah, so. 290000 to residential agents as as a as thank a, you as a referral fee for referring their mm-hmm. clients yeah mm-hmm. and even one of those was six years old that's true which is also crazy we had to find her yeah i was like i don't even know where this came from yeah. like, i had to go like into like an old email database and like track it down <laughs> it's like hey by the way your client's six, closing and she's like what years. Yeah. i forgot six about them years. which speaks to how long some of these commercial deals take. So sometimes some of the residential agents will say they want to learn about the commercial process. And I'm like, okay. And then they're like excited, but we don't do anything for like six months. <laughs> and they're like, wow, this one's a lot slower than I thought. So, you know, they like, because commercial, everything's kind of turn and burn in 30 days all the time. It's very fast paced or residential. residential, right? So it's like sometimes when things take six years, it's... You know, I like to compare it to... They're both cats, right? They're both cats. I mean, let's think, let's think of real estate as cats, right? Okay. But Can't go on with it. I I, right, I'm listening. Okay, I'm curious. but residential is like your typical tabby feline, right? And then, <laughs> got stripes. <laughs> got, no, I mean, you know, it's an everyday thing, right? Whereas I see commercial as kind of the, like the lion, right? I mean, oh, it's I a big deal. It's it's It takes a long big time. Cats. I was thinking like the hairless cat, uh, like not, not that cat. cat. Why do you we love the hairless friends? cat, Carla? It's like, I don't know. <laughs> but I mean, I mean, just I'm just saying that, you know, they're similar, but they're so vastly different. Right. That that that, you know, they're both cats, but it's so it's it's night and day. 
Right. So I think that when some of these residential agents enter into it, once again, and there's times when I have to slow my roll because right. I have to realize that it is very, it's, it's a snail's pace. Everything doesn't happen overnight. We aren't, you know, I can't jump up and down and right. <laughs> well, be like, go, go, go. It's right. Not, it's and not it's how, a very different process. I would just go off the phone last night with a client who was like, I'm very frustrated with how this process works. Like, I had to explain that's not how this show works, right? Yeah, like, like you it's know, a he's like, thing. right, he's like between the LOI process and then we get entered a contract and then we get the leases. He's like, it feels very backwards, very cart before the horse. And it kind of is working it, backwards. It just kind of is, yeah. And I think it is offsetting for people that don't know it and don't understand it and understand traditional ways. I think once you understand it, you find that it works more right. efficiently and quicker and Quite honestly, I wouldn't do it any other way. I mean, yeah. I even tell residential people, I'm like, you guys really should move to LOIs, especially in this right. market where you're writing massive contracts with 8,000 addendums and sending it over for 80 or, you know, 30 deals that you right. don't get approved on. Right. So it, it makes sense because our contracts are property specific. Right. Our listings are property specific. Leases, you know, are property specific and come from the landlord. So it's like, it's not stuff you can just do for your client you don't know all the the misnomers about that property or that landlord that you don't know so you kind of have to go backwards and figure it out and and build it that way and when it is then it's great and it can work really quick but for the for new people yeah it's it's very off-putting because they don't know it feels odd. So an LOI is a letter of intent for those that are listening that don't know. And it's almost like we're dating. Like I'm throwing <laughs> it out there. Like here's kind of like my parameters. I like, you. I, like I, I like you. Do you like me? I mean, you don't have like, to. Right. I like be, cats. Like I need like to know to. that you like cats too. And before <laughs> before we move forward, I need you to sign this to make sure that you like cats as well. <laughs> If, if that all looks go good. With kiss on the right. And then the contract is getting married, right? Yeah. Like this is a contractually binding agreement. And in residential, they all just throw the contract, the same contract, over and over, over, and, over and over and over at the seller, at the seller's agent. And so they're getting married from from this from the get-go, right? Yeah. It's like an arranged marriage. It's like there was, <laughs> no, dating. Marriage, <laughs> there was no dating. This is what's happening. This is what's happening. You must do There's it. no ghost traded or Tradition. anything. Like, there's nothing interesting. No all. romance. Yeah. Right. There's no romance. <laughs> so speaking of today's current market um, with residential agency and, and that kind of thing, one of the things we're seeing a lot of that I know you have experience with is industrial buyers coming in and paying cash for, you know, I, in my opinion, they're almost taking away the American dream because they're in they're inflating the prices by paying cash and giving these like super sexy like offers. Open door and BlackRock and yeah, BlackRock specifically, things. right? Gotcha. So where I'm going is like they're industrial and they're REITs. And I don't know if everybody understands what that means or or kind of how that impacts the market and then what role even we as commercial agents play in terms of dealing with um, with REIT investors. Okay, there's a lot to unpack there. That's a big bag. That's a lot of questions kind of wrapped into one, and I could go in a lot of directions. So I'm going to try and tone this down just a little bit because okay. you know I talk way too much. Right. Daryl will start yelling at yeah, us and like, telling us we're going you've over. You've got to bring it down. <laughs> I always tell my wife, okay, so I'm going to make this a short story. And she just rolls her eyes. She's like, this is not going to be a short story. So I think the, the thing that jumps out to me when you say that is kind of the shift in investor excitement. Um, right. from, from the institutional level down. So talking about your BlackRocks, your REITs, your so forth. 
multifamily, right? So that's oh, where they went first. Brutal. Multifamily. I mean, and I'll fall on my sword here. I totally missed this one. I 2018, I started preaching multifamily's dead. Like it's it's gone as far as it can go. The prices are inflated. I mean, it had been on a solid rise since 2013. Five years. I was like, there is no way multifamily can do more than what it's already done. It's done. Caps are going to continue to suppress, which they have. I was right about that. But I was like, but people will stop buying, which they haven't. They have not. At, at all. And Blows I mean, my mind. So multifamily has now moved to the position for, for institutional buyers. They don't want to buy the, the 20, 50, 100 unit stuff. Right. They want the 150, 200, 300, like 400. Massive apartment complexes. Massive apartment complexes. Well, guess where those cap rates are now? In the threes. Yeah. That's not even inflation right now. No. Like, they're basically parking money with the hope that it's going to appreciate on some level, but with having pretty much zero return. Right. It's safe because it's multifamily. All their eggs aren't in one basket. So they'll dump, you know, 400 million into an apartment and let it sit. And then they're just going to let it sit for 10 years or seven years. And then they're going to, they're going to turn it. So what they've done and where the shift has come is in house rentals mm-hmm. or house flips where they can make more of the bang. So really what they're looking to do, you know, you have your open doors and ones like that right. that aren't your as big. Yeah. They're flipping, yeah. you know, they're just, they're just a institutional flipper yeah. is all, but you're, your BlackRock's, what the model is there is the rental home. Mm-hmm. And so because people can't get in apartments and people can't buy a home, I mean, what's a starter home in Arizona now? Oh, I'd say we're talking 400. Yeah, at like a minimum. I don't, we just helped my sister-in-law buy a two-bedroom townhouse. A, she couldn't approve for it because the price was so much. So we went on it with her. That's nice of you. So we bought it with her, equity share, which mm-hmm. is great. She's going to take part of the profit. I'm going to take part of the profit, but she's going to live there. Mm-hmm. That said, two bedroom, two bath, like twelve hundred square foot townhouse in Mesa, Arizona. Mm-hmm. It was two hundred eighty-seven thousand dollars. Yeah, that's ludicrous to right. me. And there's not many available. And there's not no. The only reason right. we got that is because the owner knew me and knew that I was looking mm-hmm. for stuff and just called me. I was like, "Hey, I'm going to sell this. I'll give you a week if you want to buy it. Just let me know, Sold. and then I'm going to put on my. I was like, write it up. I'll take it. Right. Like I'm not even going to." And I knew I had options, but I knew I was getting something that probably would have sold for cash in the threes. Probably. Right. And so when you don't have starter homes, what do the big institutions start? And you can't get apartments, big institutions to put this together. And you're going to start seeing a lot more of these. I know of about three communities that are getting built right now. They're not apartment homes. They're rental homes. Oh, the build to rent. Build to rent. Yeah. So you are getting these, you know six acre 10 acre complexes and instead of a you know four story five story apartment building what they're putting in are these little houses mm-hmm. everyone's got a yard everyone's got a little house but then they're renting it you never own it aren't those still zoned multifamily too they're not parceled Some, for single they're not parceled for yeah. single most of them there's one i know in casa grand that's getting parceled for single but they're owning them all and well that's renting. for their exit strategy exactly. if they need it right because so when they, they exit off, they're right? going to sell each one right. which i think is way smarter but these other Heck big yeah. guys they don't care they'll put a 300 million dollar complex together and they know they're going to sell it yeah. down the road and they're going to find another institution that's willing to buy it because it's that safe rental model you've got those these guys coming in and when they're they're losing out on apartments because they just they bought them all up there's no there's only so many 300 unit apartments in arizona 
Right. Right. They don't come on all the time. So when those are gone, where do they go? Well, now we got to do these rental home communities or rent. What you said is the proper term. I can't. What remember. did I say? Build to rent. Build to rent. Thank yes. you. The build to rent communities. So you're going to see a lot more of those. Like I people are there. We get hit with it all the time. Uh, institutions looking for land because that's what they're doing. Yep. Um, How many? I, I feel like we have a lot of buyers right now looking for land to do some of these exact models we're talking about. And there's no shortage of those buyers right now. No, not at all. Which indicates to us, at least, that there is no bubble no. bursting or coming. Well, and and let's talk about that for just a quick second. Yeah. Like, everyone always says bubble, bubble, bubble. And this is one of my other favorite things about 2018 because I had, there's another broker in the Valley, very well known, very good investor. And so when I'm preaching in 2018, multifamily's dead, he's preaching, the bubble's coming, the bubble's coming, the bubble's coming. Yeah. And I was like, dude, there's no bubble. Right. Like, there's no bubble. And and I've started to hear it click up a little bit again mm-hmm. because, you know, it's it's natural. This is what it feels like what happened in 2018 or right. t- 2008. What the difference is, and, and here's the there's two. massive differences. Two, the two right. big ones, in my opinion, A, inventory. We don't have it. Then we had, they were building faster than people were coming in. Right. We don't have that. And two is liquidity. Back then, people were getting 100% loans, 120% loans. True. They're getting 100% loan on their house, then getting a 50% equity line, going and buying a Hummer. Like, it was crazy, stupid shit going on. Yeah. And so everyone was getting money with no equity. And they were negative equity. On everything. So why not walk away? So not, I have nothing yeah, to lose. I have nothing to lose. I'm a hundred grand. I already got a hundred extra grand on this house that's worth less than that. Right. And I can go rent down the street for half the price of my mortgage payment. I'm out. Yep. Because there's plenty of houses. Right. Now, number one, there's no houses. Where are you going to go? Right. I mean, that's the classic conversation. I could sell my house for a million five exciting. today. Like I could get cash a million five today. Bam, I'll walk out. I owe 400000 on my house. Done. That sounds like a great deal. Right. Where am I going to go? Your RV. There's no yeah. place to go. There's no place <laughs> no to place go. To... I could go I live several... in an RV in Payson, you know, because that might be the only place that has an opening to even fit an RV. Right. Like, there's nothing. Well, and the other conversation on that is as well is that I have several clients that want to downsize. They have these... You know, they're getting older. They have these massive homes that they don't want to take care of anymore, you know, with acreage or yard or pools or all the things. And they'd be happy to downsize and do something else. But once again, where is there to go? And I think that going back to your point, Dutch, in terms of 2008, um, I was building homes at that time in in Salt Lake City, Utah and, and, and this general area. And we had a teacher that had five houses, five, mm-hmm. a teacher. So, you know, that goes back to, you know, bad loans and misqualified, qualifying and all those things. And if you had to get a loan recently, (laughs) it's not easy. No. Like, they put in so many safeguards on that. Like, it's not easy at all. I feel like in in that time frame, it was like, what do you make? It was. And you'd answer the question. They'd be like, are you sure? Do you, like, are you sure you don't make well, some that's, more? Which is why wink, the teacher wink. could get five right. houses. Yeah. Stated income. Yeah. But, you know, I think that also that with the influx of people here in the Valley, um, I read the other day that, what, there's 200 people a day that are moving it's, in. Yeah, like 250. It's bananas. Oh, my God. And then I also day. read that U-Haul, and that's just 
one moving company, right? They have a thousand one-way trucks a month coming into the valley. So if, and that's just U-Haul, that's not Mayflower, that's not Penske, right. it's not, not any, it's nobody else, right? So if you think about that massive influx of people, and if you look at what's happening down in Casa Grande, if you look at what's happening off of the Deer Valley in the 17, and you see the industry and the big, huge manufacturing that's coming right. in and all the jobs and all the, you know, I mean, it, the influx is absolutely mind-blowing. Those companies are laying out billions of dollars to build here. Yeah. And there is no way they would put out those kinds of funds without at least just a solid gut belief. <laughs> like people are still coming. I'm just saying, belief, like in my, yeah. my previous life, I was an analyst. Think, we could go into that. We could that, go into the data that they're doing. At a minimum, there's a, a good gut instinct yeah. to know that people are still coming. Well, well, and if you look at Lucid, if you look at Kohler, yeah. if you look at all the, I mean, there's huge companies that have been around and not Lucid so much, but Kohler's been around for what, a hundred years? I don't even know. But they're not small. It's not small little startup. I mean, these right. are big companies. I mean, look at how Amazon has grown throughout the valley, and yeah, look at the their West distribution. Valley. Look at their distribution distribution warehouses. I mean, it's insane what's going on here. The Taiwanese semiconductor right, up in the North huge. Valley is, yeah, and they're bringing in even it's, more commerce. And it's moving so fast. Wow, really? Like so fast. Yeah, it's unbelievable. And I think bringing that into that job growth mm-hmm. and in industry growth and then just the liquidity factor again like why would you walk away from your home if you have a hundred thousand in equity right and almost everyone has a hundred thousand in equity at least why would you walk away from your home if you have five hundred thousand in equity and let's take that to the next level commercial Mm because in 2008 2009 guess what you could also do on commercial you get a hundred percent loan, right? Which is insane. Have you ever heard of a hundred percent loan no. on commercial? No. no, no. But you could then. So what were people doing? Right. I'm going to get a hundred percent loan. Why on this not? Building. I could own a strip mall. Yeah. <laughs> and and again, stated income. So right. you had people getting commercial properties that weren't in that field. Right. They had no prior knowledge. They had no experience, and they could get a hundred percent loan because hey, I make a million dollars a year. Give me the loan. Right. So. You had commercial properties even walking away, which is unheard of because those are full recourse. So whereas your home, you can walk away scot-free and the bank can't come after you. All their, all their recourses is to take the home. Right. In commercial, full recourse means that I'm not only going to be able to come after you for this building I'm going to repo, but now your house, mm-hmm. your, ca- your cars, your bank account. Shoot, we're going to come after your kids. Like, it's right. full recourse. Like, they're going to come after the whole thing. I mean, they can't take your kids. I'm being exactly. Oh, man, but I was really hoping that was You might I need could. your kids taken away. <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> I kid. Um, <laughs> they, so it was a really weird time. Really weird time where you had even landlords killing businesses because they were getting foreclosed on. Or they were going into bankruptcy, which, again, we don't have today because, A, I don't know of 100% loan on commercial I've even heard of in 12 years. No. B, they all have equity and they've all paid a lot of cash and most of them have paid cash. So you go look at a, you know, you pull a a $20 million office building. I guarantee you one of two things you're going to see. Either A, they have very limited debt on it or it's cash. Right. And that's a different marketplace, right? So then that takes away your fear of the bubble. Mm -hmm. So will it slow down? I think it has to. Right. Absolutely. Well, and I think that slow down 
may will will be more like a plateau that then yeah. may feel like a crash, but it's not actually a crash. It's just a plateau. But because they're not seeing these huge 30% swings anymore, they're like, the sky is falling, the sky is falling. No, it's not. This We're just back to what we should have been to begin with, which we're, is, you know, fairly normal. Well, it's like when you drive fast. I know she drives fast. Do you drive fast? <sighs> no, never. I only have one speed. Uh, it's 80 miles an hour. So either lead, follow, or get the <laughs> That's not the way. speed limit? <laughs> so she's it like, is, it is on the 101. <laughs> so, it like, I always, this is how it feels, right? So, when, right now, we're going 120 down the 101. Right. Like, we're flying. Hair's on fire. We're flying. And Woo-hoo. now we're going to, we're going to, the market's going to slow down. And we're going to go the speed limit. We're, we're going to go back to the we're speed go, limit, We're right? going to go back to 65. But now it's going to feel like we're at a snail's pace and it's going to feel weird. Right. And we all know what that feels like, right? When you're flying down the freeway, because it's Arizona. I don't think any of us actually drive slow. And you see the police car and then you slow down to like the speed limit. And it feels like now you're going slow and really you're just going how you're supposed to go. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's exactly how it's going to feel, right? So give it a year and all of a sudden we're going to hit the brakes. And people are going to freak out. They're going to be like, oh, no, the world, the sky is falling. Right. And, the, and the market's crashing. Sell your houses. Move to Guam. I don't know. They're going to get crazy. <laughs> Go live on a coral reef. Yeah. But then you sit in it for a second. You yeah. recalibrate. And it, you're like, okay, we're good. I feel like if we all survived the real crash, right, and everything that happened at that time, we even even if some off chance it did crash again, we're all going to be fine. Well, and I think that's one of the great strengths of human nature, right? Mm-hmm. You never know what you're able to go through until you go through it. Mm-hmm. And you're never as strong as you think you are until you have to do something really hard. Right. And I think for those that went through the re- Great Recession, right? that was a scary time. It was. I mean, quite frankly, just to be a little transparent on my part, I mean, I was doing really well. Like, and I mean, not by some people's like standards, there's always, stuff. there's always a, there's always a Jeff Bezos is going to make right. your, your really well seem very small, but I was doing really, really well. I had hit a lot of my life goals and I was just about 30 and I was feeling like King Kong. I was like, man, I got this. I am freaking rocking what? it. And a year later I was declaring bankruptcy and I had $10,000 to my name. I went and flipped a house to make money. And that was super risky at the time because mm-hmm. the market was still falling like mm-hmm. crazy. I got down to $100 in my bank account. And I told my wife, do not put gas in the car. <laughs> do not buy groceries. Do not do anything. We had a new baby. I'd already had two kids or three kids. We had a new baby or two kids. Three Dang, kids. How many kids you got? I got way too many kids. That's why I was like, <laughs> someone take these kids. That's why they take the kids thing. I was like, thanks. Come take the kids. You're taking everything else. Take the kids. Take them too. They cost money. They, they cost a lot of money. <laughs> anyway, new baby, however many kids I had at the time. I think I had two. <laughs> had had two. New one. So sorry, I had three Randa. total. I, I'm like, Randa's calling in yeah. and saying that that was your third child. So sorry, Randa. <laughs> But I was like, don't spend any money because we have a hundred bucks to our name. Luckily, we flipped that house and we started doing different stuff and and we made it through. Right. Right. And and thank goodness, you know, to friends and family, because literally like I was heavy leverage. I was in that generation of oh, leverage yeah. everything. I had 19 ho- houses, all fully leveraged. My house was leveraged. I had four or five cars because you guys know I love cars. So I like they were all leveraged toy hauler. Right. There's like, a loan on everything. Everything. Yeah. Four wheelers. Harley, old convertible, everything was leveraged. Right. 
guess what happened when you do bankruptcy? Right. They take, take it, it all. all. Right. I what had, a sad day. I had it's all like driving nothing. away. Nothing. I was borrowing a car from my parents, living in a house that was soon to be foreclosed, mm. and trying to flip one to make some money. When you can go through that, that's like. Right. You're like, it's fine. Bring it on. Right. Like let let we'll the be great. let the crack. I, sometimes I almost wish it would happen because I'm Stop. like, just let it go back. Like reset everything. Maybe we wouldn't have ninety one thousand licensed well, agents not, in but, Arizona But also, anymore. if you learn from that lesson, like I'm not leveraged now. Right. Like the only debt I have in my life at this point in time is the four hundred thousand on my house, which I'm totally okay with because it's worth one point five. Right. So I'm like, right. I could care less. Yeah. That's my only debt. Yeah. And so that's a different thing. It's like, well, let it crash. Then you're not taking my cars this time. <laughs> You come and try it. Those are you mine. can still take my kids. You can definitely <laughs> still take the kids. I got a 20 year old on my couch right now. You can have him. The Marines didn't even want him. Oh, that's no. funny. I bet that I bet he can he being a Marine and being 20, I bet that child can eat. Oh my god. That hundred bucks so would have been gone in a day. I've been like, what? You fed our son? What were you thinking? <laughs> they, well, that's just one. There's more. Like everybody needs food. Yeah. I so where we were at that time was we were living in Seattle. We had, and that's another difference too, is not only was everybody leveraged, right? Not only were there, and by that we mean like their loans are maxed out to the most they can be. They were, they were giving us extra, right? So it's like nowadays you need like, oh, I don't know, a down payment. And weird. The, weird. Oh, and, and, Proof of funds and have to show that you actually Details. do make that million dollars, you know, not Details. just stated income. Right. Show me your bank account. Right. Show me the money. Show me the money. <laughs> um, so we had no money and we had a house that so and the loans were bad. So we had a house that we owed our first mortgage on and the second mortgage was our down payment. Mm. Right. Not our actual yeah. down payment, a borrowed down a borrowed payment. Borrowed down payment that at a higher interest common, rate. Very, right. very, very common. And back in the day. they didn't tell us anything. And it's one of the reasons I went into real estate is because it was such a poor experience. I don't want anyone to ever go through that again, right? So we had a prepayment penalty. I had no idea what that was. What do you mean? This is my house. I can't just sell it whenever I want. Like, we... Well, you can. You just got to pay the fee. Right. So we bought in the Seattle area at the time. It was like a $200,000 house, and it was a dive. And blood, sweat, and tears. We lived in that house, remodeled the whole thing, did everything our parents taught us to do, and went to sell it and make income off of it right so yeah. that we could put it into the next house and the bank stuck their hand out for not only the mortgages plural but an extra fifteen thousand dollars per mortgage oh. which left us with very little yeah. ouchie yeah way ouchie yeah now that's like an illegal practice in residential real estate but and so there's some there i think there's a lot of good things that did come from the crash 100 percent. right i yeah. mean in retrospect of course, when you're, <laughs> when you're living, living through on ramen it. for like a month, yeah. Yeah, wasn't so good. You're just slogging through it, <laughs> yeah. right? But, you know, I think that we all had to pivot, right? To right. use a term that's become popular with, yeah. the, with the pandemic. We all had to shift and, fig mm -hmm. and figure it out and go do. You know, at the time I was building in Salt Lake City, as I mentioned, I had my own subdivision of 42 luxury homes that, that all of a sudden was just gone. The like company that the, well, the company like, that I worked with, we were trying to be stand-up people. So whereas a lot of other companies just shuttered their doors and walked away, they didn't. Um, we didn't. We didn't have any. I mean, we were trying to give our contract contractors pennies on the dollar to at least right. try to make it Something. right. 
give them something, give them anything, rather than just shuttering the doors no, and saying... Most didn't. Yeah, most were like, we have no money, you have no money. Right, See so, so too bad, so sad. Adios, amigo. So were the houses, like, built in completion, or, like, were they still at the studs? Like, were they still... Like, what did that look like at the time? Because that must have been really interesting. So the company was J. Ballard Homes mm-hmm. that we worked for, that I worked was I was a part of, and then my division was Park Place Luxury Homes. So J. Ballard had 75 homes on the ground built, ready to go. Empty, vacant, not sold, just sitting there. Wow. Luckily for me, I sold my neighborhood as people, I mean, they were purchased, mm-hmm. right? So I had roughly 20 homes on the ground built. Um, one of them, we did a parade of homes, which is kind of like the Street of Dreams right. here. Um, huge honor to be a part of. And the time, the things that you have to do to achieve that is just absolutely incredible. I mean, they give you six months to break ground. They have all these milestones you have to hit, right? So they come through and they inspect your house. They look and see what you're doing. Um, you know, you have to design it, build it, put it, put it up, decorate it, and then have people come. So, you know, it, it was an amazing thing. I mean, I think that thing at the time, and once again, Salt Lake prices are a lot different than here. Um, they're roughly 25%, 25 to 30% less than I would say the Valley. Mm-hmm. So that that parade of homes was um, 9,000 square feet and change, um, four stories, two sub-basements, and because I was building on the bench, right? Mm-hmm. So you had walkout basements that you could view the Valley from, and um, that was 1.5. Wow. You know, in, in 2008, which was a lot of money back in the day. Right. Oh, yeah. Right. I feel like it still should be a lot of money. It still money. should be Anytime a lot of money, right? you're putting an M in front of it. Like. <laughs> well, it's ridiculous. Like we were talking, the, the starter homes here are in the fours. Like, yeah. It's unbelievable to me. But, well, you know, if and, we take that, talk about millions, you know, yeah. if we take that to commercial once again, mm-hmm. you know, we do have people that say, oh, I, I have a million dollars and I want to spend it on X, Y, and Z. And yes, it's a lot of money. It's not something I can write a check for right. tomorrow or or. or Pilot fat stacks here on the table. Carla, don't be modest. But. We know you're, <laughs> or Audra, don't be modest. We know you're just stacking cash back there. But write that check. But you know, right. I mean, even Stack though it seems check. like a lot of money, when they come to us, depending on the product they want to purchase, it's not. Yeah, sadly, we, and, no. Sadly, it's like it's that barrier to entry, right? The barrier to entry on residential is you got to buy a four hundred thousand dollar home with a like, hefty down payment. With a hefty down payment, the barrier to entry in commercial is. You might have a million dollars, and I might not be able to do anything for you. Right. Like, right. It, well, once again, depending on the product, for yeah. sure. Right. Yeah. I mean, let's talk about. Well, let's see. We have tons of clients that are looking for storage, right, or flex flex yeah. space. Let's talk about what flex yeah, space flex. is. So it's basically a small office in the front and massive amounts of warehouse in the back. I like to call it the or... mullet of industrial. <laughs> it's a business in the front, party in the back. <laughs> I know what party you're having in a well, warehouse. You haven't been to the warehouse parties I've been to, then you got to step it up. But you know, I mean, it just doesn't exist, right? There is none. I mean, I have all these folks. I, I can think of five clients right off the top of my head yeah. um, that we're all working with as a team that we can't place them anywhere. It just doesn't exist, well, right? And if it does, it's gone in a day fast. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I was just talking to another one yesterday, uh, called up, you know, referral. And I said, that's awesome. Happy to help you. Just so you know, you know, and I try and tell them in a really nice way and over manage expectations. But but that is like looking for a needle in a haystack Mm -hmm. right now because they just don't exist. Everyone wants them. You're under 10,000 square feet in industrial in the valley. It's gone that day. So if I find something and I send it to you, I need you to tell me that day if you want it. And it sounds bad. It's almost like that video you guys sent me the other day. Holderness family. Holderness family. They're like, 
Do you want it? I have you haven't even shown me a picture. I don't even know what it is. No, do you know do you want it right now? Do you want it right now? I need to know. Oh, no, nope, it's, it's gone. gone. It's gone. And it's gone. And let's talk about the tools we use. I mean, so the MLS costs roughly $350 a year to utilize. And then we have CoStar, which is basically our MLS, which costs us $350 a month to use. Right. And sadly, CoStar has no interest in being an MLS. They just want to be data analytics and all those things. So even when we're looking for properties for people, I can be looking at listings on there that are from 2016, 2018, you know, all the things. So once again, I think it goes back to the relationships that we have to forge and make with our fellow right. brokers because it is such a small sandbox, as Dutch likes to say. Mm -hmm. it is. And Don't it's all on my castle so, to make it's, yours look better. It's all solely based <laughs> upon relationships. So if we do have these clients, right. you know, who are we calling? We're calling the Brian Holtz. We're calling right. some of these guys that we've forged relationships with right. for years. We're using our networking versus our Tools. Absolutely, mm -hmm. because our tools are broken yeah. and frustrating well, and slow. And right. right. They haven't caught Stupid. up to the times. Well, and shoot, you guys, and, and for me, on one hand, I'm super excited about it because it's like we've come light years, but 10 years ago, do you know what CoStar was like? It like was not I can't even, even imagine. No, and, and before that, it was paper. You'd awesome. get a paper sheet, and then it was like, here's the listings, and here's what you work with, and then you have to file them down. So, again, the funny thing is you were almost more network then because right. it, it was, was all network. it was easier yeah. to just call them and be like right. hey what do you got rather than go through the right. papers and try and find them so speaking of like new times right and how far we've come what are what are some of our goals what are some of your goals Aaron for like this year or the upcoming unicorns you know, are we gonna find one balls. And <laughs> I, I don't know where these are gonna come <laughs> from but I, I think I need both in my life so in the list of questions that I get as as guests come on my broker likes to really mess with me, and my <laughs> corporation, my blanket corporation, is called Bouncing Blue Balls, which I'm trademarking, by the way, because I'm convinced you're going to steal it. <laughs> <laughs> that would and, be awesome. I'm um, going to do it right now. I'm going to know. Let's hurry. I'm going to get on this um, just so you have to go through me. You know, I'm, I'm really pain. impressed with you that you even asked us here on April Fool's Day because— <laughs> And talking about bouncing well, people. And, like, because you know Aaron is the consummate prankster. I'm surprised and, he looks and, as normal as he does. Hey, and, and, I was going to call you and tell you I wasn't coming. I hate you. <laughs> and I was like, that's too I was so first day. I, I, I'm so surprised you didn't, to be I, quite honest. La I tried. Last year. No, I was going to do it twice. I'm Last year, he told us we were leaving MHG. I know. I remember that. <laughs> and everybody was freaking out, panicking. And he was talking about how much he didn't care for certain people and so on and so forth. And he's like, we're just leaving. We're out. We're yeah. so out. Like, and, and we were all like sitting there. With, it was our do, week, which, weekly meeting. Who, which twin was gone? Oh, and we were, Nick, they were Nick. like, they were on the phone. They were on the phone. And, and, and <laughs> he was his, freaking out. I'm turning around. i come back to the office right That's now. Right. No, he was, in he was in Michigan, he was like remember? So, yeah. and so he was in Michigan driving up to Traverse City. And we're having this conversation because it's our weekly meeting and all the things. And Aaron's going on and on and on about how. I mean, He's just not happy. No. And so we're, and we're, we're making our own brokerage. Our brokers right? are. <laughs> they're changing the rules on us. <laughs> And so we're everything just, is awful, right? So we're just going to branch out and totally dead face, and we're all like, "Wait, what?" We're, we're all sitting there with our jaws on the ground, watching him going, <laughs> "What are you telling us right now?" And then uh, obviously he's like, "Yay, hey, for Fool's Day!" We're like, and we're all like, "You suck!" <laughs> See, I Such didn't do it to you so, this morning. So I thanks, I, I really appreciate. that. I stopped myself twice. So there's our unicorn. Oh, hey. <laughs> I like the way you spun it. We got both. It's yeah. a shiny, sparkly, rainbow-colored <laughs> yes. unicorn. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and just to wrap up, so the name of my blanket corporation is Bouncing Blue Balls because back in like 
2000, early 2000s, we didn't have Facebook. We didn't have memes. We had these like spam emails. <laughs> Do you remember? <laughs> yes. And there was one that was like a woman and man's brain. And the woman's, the man's brain was like a pong game. And it was like one ball and it just kind of went back and forth. And then there was the woman's brain. It was like a thousand bouncing blue balls everywhere. And my husband sent it to me and said, I finally understand you. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that makes sense. And so... Bouncing that's Blue where Balls was born. Bouncing Blue Balls. That's the name of my LLC because that that encompasses my brain, Your brain children. All yes. the stuff you got going on up there. I thought it was totally something different I'm when sure, I first met sure you. you did. And uh, so it was great when you first explained it to me, but I still go back to my original. I know. Thinking. He just uses it every opportunity he gets. So <laughs> how can people get a hold of you, <laughs> of us, of not... Blue Balls, Not Blue MHG Balls. Commercial. MHG Commercial. We have a website, mhgcommercial.com. It looks Thank really, you, really Thank awesome. Um, <laughs> and you can find us all on there. It's got everyone's uh, We're about to have a real sexy team peak picture pictures too. on just, there, yeah. all sorts of stuff. And then all of our names at mhgcommercial.com for our emails. So mm-hmm. Carla at mhgcommercial.com, Audra at mhgcommercial.com, Aaron a A R O N. Well, there, not the there is an E R I. We do have an er, another yes. Aaron. So you will contact somebody you no will matter get what spelling. So yeah, you just do. go just with go for it. Yeah. <laughs> We're not gender specific here. No, no. Not and then everyone's pretty much everyone's got an Instagram. We're working on getting those all, all squared away. But mine's at this. My Instagram is at this is Dutcher. Mm-hmm. And then Carla's got one. Mine is investment real estate AZ. Which is awesome. And it leads, all roads lead back to MHG commercial. And she, hers looks way, way better than mine. Well, mine's, working on that. Mine's just going to look like me and my family and rodeos and trucks and kids. <laughs> 20-year-olds on your couch eating all, <laughs> yeah, all, eating yes. all my stuff. Well, thank you guys so much. Audra, how can we get a hold of you? Audra at MHGcommercial.com. Perfect. And we're here to help. That's our big thing, guys. We're all just here to help. We want to work with you. We want to make your dreams come true. The ladies are. Not so much. (laughs) Well, because, you know, mansplaining and all the things. Yeah, if you don't want to be mansplained, give Audra or I a call. We will happily walk you through this. Absolutely. And to tie it in, you know, full circle to your thing, I think it is that because we're different, we smash down those walls of of commercial. We do it a little bit different. We, We approach it a little bit different. But if you're not an institutional investor we're the best group for you thanks guys absolutely thank you for inviting me thank you carla you've been listening to smashing through walls the place for robust conversations about the building and blocks of arizona commercial and real estate investment host carla mcgee is a commercial real estate broker with mhg commercial powered by my home group the opinions expressed here are not necessarily the opinions of my home group and do not constitute any offer or advertisement of business or services. The real estate market is cyclical, and listeners assume all responsibility should any return on investment, tax consequences, credit effects, or financing terms not meet their expectations. Guests may not be qualified to provide financial, legal, or tax advice regarding a real estate transaction. Listeners are advised to obtain professional tax and legal advice and counsel.